This is Mortification of Spin, a weekly podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. We can only continue producing with your support. Visit mortificationofspin.org to make a donation. This week's Bully Pulpit finds the free-range gang sipping coffee made by vulnerable baristas who use only respectfully treated coffee beans. As Carl, Todd, and Amy get real, they raise an issue magnified by social media, the blurring of public and private boundaries in our lives, and the phenomena of showcasing our emotions. But as cage-free as they try to be, you'll have to go elsewhere to see them cry. After all, there still is a remnant of those who choose to blubber in private. Welcome to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a regular shorter podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. This is Todd Pruitt. I'm here with my friends Carl Truman and Amy Bird. And here, where are we here? Well, I'll tell you where we are. We are in a wonderfully trendy coffee shop serving free-range, fair-trade, organic, vegetarian coffee. And everybody, oh, it's so, well, everybody here, the thing, the reason why we're here is everybody here is so authentic. And that's what I love about this. They can tell me just exactly where every single coffee bean was grown, whether or not it experienced any sort of trauma. And I just feel particularly sensitive today. Any of them called Colin? Colin. <laughs> his name was Colin. Um, that's a Portlandia joke that uh, Amy Bird introduced us to. Um, so I... Carl and Amy, really what I want to do is I just want to emote with you two. I want you I want to tell you my feelings because I want to be make sure. Make yourself vulnerable. Above I, all I things, exactly, vulnerable. that I'm vulnerable, which may just be um, the one virtue that our culture recognizes today. He's so vulnerable. Yeah, I think that you're onto something there, Todd. We do live in a world where yeah, it doesn't matter what you've done, providing you apologize and cry about it, you <laughs> right. seem to be able to get away with it. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I, again, I think for whatever reason, we've, we've dismissed as virtues the things that truly are virtues, and we've made our own. And um, this idea of being real, of being vulnerable, uh, becomes a, a virtue, and it's an odd thing to make a virtue. I don't know if it's because it erases any sort of possibility of moral judgments, um, but it certainly has been enshrined in our culture. Do you think it's part of a general trend towards the, the erosion of the, the boundary between the private and the public? I mean, it seems that in many ways in contemporary society, the, the idea of, of privacy uh, that carried with it notions of public decorum, mm-hmm. public modesty, that seems to be vanishing I mean, take an extreme example, pornography. We often focus on the obscene aspects Mm -hmm. or the arousing aspects of pornography. But I wonder if pornography is, in some senses, simply part of a broader phenomenon of, of 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 the demolishing of the boundary between that which is to be kept private and that which is public. And if we look at it that way, we could also throw in uh, things that, you know, you and Amy uh, do like Facebook or, or Twitter. <laughs> uh, are, are those things too on the same kind of sliding scale where you're living life as a public performance? Sure. Even even your private life is being lived as a public performance before everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah life as performance art. Um, and I would say since I only have a Facebook account and Amy has Facebook and Twitter, she's much more guilty. Mm, Wouldn't you agree with that? 
Absolutely. She looks incredibly guilty <laughs> as we look across at her. <laughs> well, I've really noticed some things um, from being on both Facebook and Twitter, and it's just this whole selfie culture that we live in, which perpetuates this idea of authenticity. And uh, my husband and I kind of joke around about some of the different types of selfies that you see. There's like, you know, the group selfie. And and then there's this um, surprised selfie <laughs> where people act like they've just been I'm surprised in the picture, but they're taking it of themselves. Have you had a guy smoking a pipe selfie? <laughs> yeah. to you? I think I have had <laughs> one sent best. to me, but not, not on social media. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I just wonder if in some ways we feel like we're taking the power away from people from being judgmental of us Mm -hmm. by exposing a little too much. I think that has something to do with it. I I do think that has something to do with it. As well as the whole fascination with celebrity. And now you can can literally put yourself yourself out there in a way that um, has just never been possible before in human history. And of course it connects, I think, to a point I've tried to make again and again about celebrity, that celebrity is not being a public figure. Mm -hmm. celebrity carries that faux intimacy Mm -hmm. where strangers think they're your friend lady diana is -hmm. is the great example when she died you had all these people mourning her and talking about her as if they actually knew her whereas Mm -hmm. all they really knew was a photograph or an an image on a screen but there was that false intimacy there Mm -hmm. uh, that again speaks to that that demolition of the boundary between the public and the private there's almost this fear we have of not being noticed and I've I've noticed this on social media is that um, we're just seeking accolades all the time. And I just recently read an article about how 51-year-old women were complaining that they don't get noticed anymore when Mm. they walk into a room. Mm. And I've just been chewing on this article for a while now, like in my head thinking, why do they feel the need to be noticed when they walk into a room? And why is that what um, validates their beauty? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, how many likes did you get for that selfie? Right, exactly. And and so really what we're talking about here is not authenticity. I would hope we all want to be honest and not hypocritical, and but it's more exhibitionism, which is what ends up happening. Whether, mm-hmm. whether you're um, a woman in her 50s complaining about not getting, getting noticed or a, or a pastor including way too many details about his uh, intimate uh, relations with his wife uh, than anybody wants to know. What it comes down to is, is exhibitionism. And that, you, you bringing pastors in there, Todd, because you touch on uh, you know, church history, mm-hmm. throws up a number of good examples. Yeah. I, I think of, you know, in my field of study, which is 16th, 17th century, think of a man like Martin Luther who you know, talked a lot about himself. Uh, We have letters. We have a lot of material. He has a very moving description of the death of his little daughter, Magdalena. We know a lot about Luther's private life. And actually, it's very helpful, uh, particularly the the details of his marriage uh, with his wife. Uh, well, well, for a start, they're not the, the most intimate details of his marriage with his wife. They are the marriage as a public phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But it's still very helpful uh, to show students some of the dynamic between Luther and Katie. By way of contrast, we have John Owen in the 17th century. Uh, we know next to nothing about John Owen's private life. We know he had 11 children. Ten died in infancy. One grew to adulthood, had an unhappy marriage, returned home and died at home. Owen never mentions 
the death of a single one of his children in any of his voluminous writings. He was an intensely private man. And I have to say there's something, I can see there's something very helpful in what Luther does. But for me, there's also something very attractive in John Owen's privacy, that he guarded his private life fiercely. Because his family, and and even one might say his private suffering, was not of any public interest. Uh, He didn't talk about his suffering, not because he didn't feel the pain of losing those children, but because he didn't regard it, I think, as anybody's business, but Mm -hmm. his, his wife's, and the Lord's. And there doesn't seem to have been uh, an expectation from the church at that time that they know every detail about their pastor's life or an expectation for their pastor to come before them and emote about personal details of his life. And I'm not advocating, I think you said, there's something helpful about what Luther does. And so those of us that are pastors don't want our life to be an entire mystery to those that we minister to. We, we, we're living among them, after all. And yet, if, if there's an expectation that I say things about my personal life every Sunday morning when I get up to preach, that's not a healthy expectation. And if I'm doing that, that's not a healthy practice. Mm. Well, and I think, too, um, as you guys are talking about this, I'm making a weird connection maybe, but um, I think about as, We're all about weird connections. Yeah, Go ahead. As a, a woman of my home, um, the whole idea of hospitality, and, you know, we clean up when companies coming over, and I, I just got done talking about this to some, some different women on this topic, but there's, um, there's this fear and this pride we have if someone were to walk in our house when it's messy, just spontaneously. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, you know, as you get closer in your friendships, you know, allowing someone to see your mess a little bit actually helps them to feel like they're not having to be competitive and having to be a certain way around you. And it can actually build an intimate, more intimate relationship. But that's more of a a personal home relationship where when we get on Facebook, when we get behind a pulpit, when we get on Twitter, I think a lot of times people will show their mess to yeah. everyone. Yeah, right. And, you know, maybe, I don't, I don't know anything like you do about John Owen, but, you know, maybe there was one or two confidants that he mm-hmm. could share these things with, mm-hmm. but didn't feel like he had to publish all that material. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also worry with something like Facebook or Twitter, are you revealing the real you or are you constructing you're revealing what you want people to see oh nobody wants the real me so (laughs) well we can all agree on that that goes without saying uh, and we're so authentic amy when people come over to our house they have to wear hazmat suits (laughs) so that's authentic when matt Yuzi and i drove all the way from philadelphia for Mm -hmm. this man's installation yes we meet him at his house. We've driven all this way. Uh-huh. He comes out of the house to yes. meet us. He won't let us in. I, we have oh, to drive somewhere you else. You stopped at my house on the way. I would have actually made you real <laughs> coffee instead of this crap I, we're drinking I have to right be here. very careful who I associate with yeah. um, as a pastor. And uh, I was afraid people might actually see you and Matt coming into my home. Indeed. <laughs> and I have to say, we did drive very fast through West Virginia because we were terrified. <laughs> the, the cannibals, they're scary. We high-fived as we crossed into Virginia <laughs> uh, on the way over. Well, this has been a, a Bully Pulpit, a production of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Uh, please uh, uh, go to our website, mortificationofspin.org. And in the uh, uh, interests of uh, boosting uh, Amy's ability to live her life as an exhibition before other people, please go to her <laughs> website, housewifetheologian.com, 
and sign up for her Twitter account. Uh, we will see you all next time. This has been Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Remember to visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, where you can download a free MP3 entitled Time to Cease from Weeping, a message by the late James Montgomery Boyce about a biblical approach to mourning and receiving God's comfort and care. Mortification of Spin is a production of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Alliance ministries include Reformation21.org, the Bible Study Hour, and events from Florida to Sacramento. To learn more about the Alliance, visit AllianceNet.org or call 1-800-488-1888. Please join the gang again next week, and don't forget your free download. Is the chicken you'll be oh, enjoying tonight. You have this information. This is fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, his name was Colin. Here are his papers, okay? That's great. Um, they do a lot to make sure that their chickens uh, uh, are very happy.